study your word without fear of being caught and carried off to prison or killed. I thank you for this freedom that we take for granted. And I pray that you'll give us ears to hear and minds that grasp your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the cathedral bell was silent after the bell ringer had died, so the pastor put out a call for a new one. And the first day, a man applied, but he had no arms. And so the pastor said, but you don't have arms. But the man said, well, just watched. And he banged his head on the bell, and he hit it so hard that he bounced out of the belfry, fell to the ground, dead. People gathered around and asked who he was. I don't know, someone said, but his face rings a bell. (laughs) But wait, there's more. The next day, another man came to the pastor to apply for the job of bell ringer. He said, I am that poor armless fellow's brother, and I'd like to apply. So he pulled the rope, and the bell rang so so loudly that the man had a heart attack and died. And several church workers came up and asked who he was. I don't know, the pastor said, but he's a dead ringer for his brother. (laughs) Oh, it's so pathetic, but that one made me laugh. Anyways, when we planned to study the book of Revelation, we made that decision in the spring. We could have never imagined the horrific example of evil going on in the hatred towards Israel. This is nothing new throughout all of history because whoever God loves and has affection for, Satan hates and despises and fuels that hatred. And so we are seeing lived out for us this present day is just a foretaste of the great evil yet to come in much greater intensity. Last week we saw a scene, or last time you met, uh, of heaven and the great praise of the Lamb going on. But now the singing has ended because the scene shifts from heaven to earth. And really, the earth and all its inhabitants will have nothing to sing about because judgment from God is about to begin in earnest. The holy God that we saw being worshipped last time we met must now deal with the sin that is rampant on the earth, and he will bring judgment. So from chapter 6 to 19, we're going to learn about all the different coming judgments of God during the tribulation period. The Lamb has taken the scroll. He's about to break each of the seven seals with their various judgments to take place. And this will be followed then by the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And intensity just grows worse and worse. So we're looking at the beginning of the end here in chapter 6. And I was helped, obviously, by my husband's notes, his library, John MacArthur, a variety of books that I read, and I'm passing on to you what I learned. So we read in verse 1 of chapter 6, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So John hears one of the four living creatures summoning this white horse. Obviously, there are a variety of thoughts as to who this is. Some thinking this is Jesus because of the white horse and bow and crown. But what best fits is the Antichrist, the false Christ, the one who comes into the world as the leader and dictator. Notice he has a bow, but he has no arrows. That indicates that he's going to conquer as a peaceful leader rather than through force and military effort. In Daniel 9 and 11, we read that he will make a covenant with Israel to protect her. He will pretend to be her friend, and so he will conquer through diplomacy. I mean, right now, 
this is just a foretaste to envision somebody coming on the scene saying, wait a minute, I have the answer to all that's going on, and we're going to have a peaceful solution. And that's what he will do. The victor's crown can be worn by a military leader, but only Jesus has the kingly crown. So at the very start of the tribulation, this world leader will be triumphant and conquering. Matthew 24 tells us he will deceive and mislead people as he will be this astounding orator. And he will make promises of peace that in reality are fake and false. So this first horseman looks similar to Christ because he is Satan's imitation, the Antichrist. And he will come on the scene offering world peace, solutions to all the conflicts going on. And he will be embraced. Then we have the second seal, the red horse. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come. And another, a red horse went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth and that men would slay one another and a great sword was given to him. So this broken seal brings the judgment of God as this horseman rides on a red horse, the color of blood, because peace is taken from this world. People will kill each other as the norm. The Antichrist will offer a false peace and, and the world listens to him, but because it's just false, there will be all of this killing and wars erupting. No peace treaty is going to hold. Jesus said in Matthew 24, this is the beginning of the tribulation period. This is the birth pangs. The third seal is famine. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come, and I looked to behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. So now this horseman is on a black horse, representing famine. This figure has a pair of scales to measure out the scarce quantities of food that will be available. Uh, it's common to have famine after war. Who's farming? You know, people during war are just trying to stay alive. So this brings the cost then to what little food is on the earth to be huge expense so that a tiny portion bought is, requires a whole day's worth of work just to get it. So clearly there will be a worldwide famine and not enough food for everyone. So that working all day will bring just a little food, not enough to feed you and your family. People um, are warned to be careful with the oil and the wine, which will absolutely be luxuries. So global famine is going to bring chaos to this planet. And that brings the, the fourth seal, an ashen horse. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine, pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. So this horse is a disgusting pale yellowish green, uh, picturing the sick and dying color of a corpse because the rider on this horseman represents death. So he goes forth and a quarter of the earth's population will die and Hades is following up, collecting the victims. So imagine one out of every four people are going to die with just this one judgment. And it will come by way of sword, pestilence, earthquakes, suicides, disasters, 
all will be causes of death as well as animals. I was thinking about this because just a few weeks ago in Pinellas County, a 13-foot gator ate a woman. As I'm sure you saw in the news, they found the gator and killed it. And then right before that, up in Banff, Canada, a very knowledgeable, uh, experienced couple were hiking and were eaten by a grizzly bear and their dog was taken as well. So that makes news now. That will not be news during this time because you think about all the animals that are hungry as well as all the people that are hungry. So you're going to have an extreme amount of deaths through animals. So the fifth seal then is a scene of the martyrs. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each one of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So the picture of the four horsemen, that's done. But the judgment on earth continues to plague the earth and everyone on it. And there will be such turmoil. And people are going to strike out at somebody in anger for all that's going on. Well, this seal doesn't uh, bring a judgment particularly, but it promises the future full judgment of the vengeance of God for murdering believers during the first years of the tribulation. What John sees are the souls of martyrs who have died for Christ. They are underneath the altar and they're crying out. These people were put to death because of the testimony they maintained. Clearly, there will be people during the tribulation who find a Bible, who hear a message, who find information on the internet, who wonder what is going on, and they find the Bible and they're reading Revelation and they come to faith in Jesus. Uh, A friend of mine told me that she has her whole house set up for those who will be pillaging it during after the rapture with scripture verses in the pantry, Bibles open to passages so that those who come after she's gone might find the truth. So they will recognize that these disasters are God's judgment on earth. They'll tell others the truth about why all this is happening, but this world is not going to tolerate the truth being told to them, and they will be put to death. Revelation 24 speaks of them as being beheaded as martyrs. This will happen on account of Jesus' name. So during the tribulation, the hatred of Jesus and the hatred of all who follow him is going to escalate to untold levels. Superficial believers who kind of went to church, they're not going to be there anymore because only true believers will want to meet when their lives are on the line. But death is not the end for a believer. Here they are, all of those who have been murdered, at the throne of God, not seeking personal vengeance, but wondering when God will judge his enemies who have done this. Ladies, when we pray, thy kingdom come, We are praying for Jesus to come and to reign with justice on earth. The answer to them under the altar was to wait because there are still more to be martyred before the full judgment comes with complete justice. We are reminded once again that it is Jesus who has the keys to life and death. He determines when we're born. He determines when we die. So this fifth seal is a promise of full vengeance to come at the end of the tribulation. That brings us to the sixth seal, which is natural convulsions. And I looked 
when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and, the, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? The judgments sent by God that we've seen so far have been carried out mostly by people and animals. But here we have this new judgment, which is supernatural and catastrophic from heaven. It begins with a great earthquake that not only shakes the earth, because the heavens will tremble as well. Joel 2.10 speaks of this. The most powerful earthquake the earth has ever known is nothing compared to what this is going to be. Think of the impact on people that this will have after all the horrors that we've just looked at. It'll be similar to the great flood when the earth's crusts and the deep ocean floors erupt and the gases and the dust are going to go up into the atmosphere that causing the sun to be darkened and the moon to appear to be blood red. Joel 2.31 speaks of the blood red moon. Many other scriptures do well I, as well. Isaiah 13.10, the sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. So the effect on daylight and on darkness is going to totally change every day how, how this planet looks. And the world will be in panic. Nobody's going to be talking about global warming. So then out of this darkened sky will fall meteors and asteroids to the earth and destruction like we could never imagine is going to take place. It's like a fig tree that is shaken by the wind with its unripe fruit, fruit falling off. Every mountain and every island will be moved from their place as the sky simply splits apart like a scroll. These are the great terrors spoken of in Luke 21:11. Isaiah 34, 4 says, All the hosts of heaven will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from a fig tree. So the impact of these meteors hitting the earth will affect the earth's core and bring about this catastrophic earthquake activity. We read in 15 through 17 that it doesn't matter who you are in this world, if you're still alive at this time, whether you're a, a big name political leader, a military leader, rich, poor, strong, weak, free, slave, no one's going to escape this horrifying judgment going on. And the reaction will be to hide themselves in the caves and ask the mountains to fall on them so they're hid from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So in their panic, they're trying to find a place of safety to hide. And they cry out, but they don't cry out to God in repentance. They're talking to Mother Nature to help them. They'll realize at this point that these disasters are from a holy God. They grasp that it's the wrath of the Lamb, but they're still unwilling to repent and would rather die than continue to living in this judgment. Absolutely clueless. No idea of how much greater eternal death and hell is going to be. This scene on earth ends with people asking, who is able to stand? There is no one who is able to stand in the wrath of God. We saw this last year when we studied 1 Thessalonians 5.3. Destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. 
I remind you what the writer to Hebrews said, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. As I thought about this, I thought, you know, we know these events are really coming, and they certainly may be in our time. And knowing that reality, it ought to motivate us to be more bold to share the gospel with people. I mean, we know we share the gospel because of eternal death and separation from God. But this time is real, and this time is coming. So what does it really matter what they think of us? We need to have a greater boldness and courage to speak the truth. Those who survived the wrath of God, we're going to look at this interlude in chapter 7. We read, after, I saw the, uh, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we've sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So John begins with after this. So he's referring back to the six sealed judgments. They're done. And John is about to see a new vision of what's coming. What comes next is the special protection for a godly group of men. Further judgment is temporarily then postponed because John sees these four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the winds of judgment. So this is not a statement about the shape of the earth. Rather, it refers to the four directions that the wind blows, north, south, east, and west. And these angels are in these four positions holding back the winds of judgment. In verse 2, another angel appears from the east having God's seal with him, and he calls out to the other four angels, telling them not to harm the earth or see your trees because the bondservants must be sealed on their foreheads. We know in the church age, according to Ephesians 1.13, that the Holy Spirit is given as a seal at the moment every person puts their faith in Jesus for salvation. He is the down payment. He is the assurance that we will be taken to glory and be with Jesus forever. So this is another kind of seal to mark out certain people so they are protected from coming judgment. They will continue to live throughout the tribulation as they have been given a special job to do. These sealed servants are people who will be saved and then protected, free to go about the work that God has given them to do. It doesn't say in this chapter their work specifically, but Matthew 24, 14 indicates their job is to preach the gospel during the tribulation. They will be witnesses for Christ in the midst of all this horror going on. They will herald the truth, giving people an opportunity to turn to Jesus for salvation and to repent. What's always so meaningful is that in the midst of wrath and judgment, it is always God who has mercy and grace. And even though the church is no longer on earth, the Holy Spirit will still be working using the word of God to bring conviction of sin, and many, many, many will believe. The Holy Spirit did this similar work. He didn't indwell permanently believers in the Old Testament, but came upon them and so on. I'm thankful that we're in the church age where he indwells every believer. Well, the protected servants are seen in verses 4 through 8. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. I'm just going to say the tribes uh, from the sons of Israel. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. So we are told that these 
manna from the 144,000 from these different tribes of Israel. Obviously, countless people through centuries have said, I'm the 144,000. I'm starting a group. We're the 144,000. And many cults identify themselves in this way. But what is absolutely critical to always make a distinction in Scripture is that the nation of Israel is not the same as the church. You have a wonderful handout in your packet uh, about all the promises God has made specifically to the nation of Israel. So I remind you to look at that. So these are Jewish believers living on earth during the time of the tribulation. The church is already gone to heaven. And John is making this clear that these are Jewish people. The tribe of Ephraim is left out and replaced by Levi. Dan is replaced by Joseph. Reuben, who was the firstborn, forfeited his place as the firstborn son because of his sin. Dan's left out and replaced by Joseph and Joseph's son, Ephraim and Manasseh. Amazingly, God knows the tribes that each of these witnesses come from, even though the record was all destroyed when Titus destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. There's a tradition for people in the Jewish families whose names are Cohen or Levi that they say if, if your relative was a priest, they pass that down through all these thousands of years. But reality is nobody today knows what tribe they're from. But God does, and God's kept a record of all of that, and he selects 12,000 from each tribe mentioned. They are sealed then and protected during the tribulation period. The start of God is fulfilling his promise in Romans eleven twenty six that all Israel would be saved. Begins with these men and will come to completion at the end of the seven-year tribulation when the, the one-third of Jewish people left on the planet will finally see him whom they've pierced and mourn and recognize their Messiah. Well, the multitude of believers from the tribulation is seen in 9 through 17. And after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a scene John witnessed. These verses tell us the vast breadth of ministry that the 144,000 will have as they herald the truth throughout the planet, and many will believe and hear. A multitude of believers, no one can count how many are there. This is the vision where John sees people from every nation and tribe and tongue on earth. These are the rest of the martyred saints that we saw when he had told them, wait a little bit longer because there's more to come. And these are the rest who survived who died during the last three and a half years when things are so much worse. 
They are clothed in white robes, the very righteousness of Jesus, and they're holding palm branches in their hands, which was done by the Jewish people at the Feast of Booths, celebrating deliverance from Egypt. But now they're waving them with great joy because of the victory of being delivered from their enemies on earth. What a message of hope that so many people from all over this world will come to believe the gospel and embrace Jesus at the cost of their lives. In the midst of horrific persecution and untold suffering, people will be saved and they will have courage to follow Jesus to their death. Their time on earth will be one that is a great trial to survive, trying to avoid the Antichrist and his henchmen who are trying to find them and kill them. But they will believe the message of the 144,000 witnesses and they will share it with others as well. It has always been true that persecution brings about even greater revival when it comes to the gospel message. There will be no gatherings of secret worship where people who have no commitment to Christ are going to join in. It will mean certain death to associate and be a believer. Yet here are these in the tribulation praising God for their salvation. They are so thankful for their salvation. They are with Jesus in heaven because of the Lamb of God. There will be no boasting because, well, I died for my faith. No, they're all praising God for the salvation that he gave them. And when this praise reaches uh, the host around the throne, they all too start praising God. Heaven is a place of worship, amazing worship. Even the angels who have never experienced personal salvation themselves, they worship around the throne, giving God glory as they see the salvation of all these people. Evil men following out the dictates of Antichrist will think they have won because they are killing off every Christian, but how wrong they are. The angels rejoice as they know all that is going on during this time on earth. Yet here is a multitude of people from every place on earth, and they are worshiping God. God is able to use the wrath of man, the evil behavior of man, to even still bring him praise. Indeed, God does cause all things to work together for good to those that love him. To clarify to John, an elder asked him who these people are at the throne, and John said, well, you know. And so he, told, he is told that these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, who have come and their robes have been washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Usually blood stains things, but with the blood of Jesus, it doesn't stain. <clears throat> it bleaches white their robes because they are pure and righteous. This is the multitude of saved people, the evidence of God's grace in the midst of horrific judgment. So these believers serve him before the throne day and night. You know, ladies, whether we're here on earth, this is our window, or we're in glory by the rapture or death, serving the Lord is what we should be doing and what we will be doing. Since service doesn't end then when you die, it actually will become so much more amazing when we arrive home. Individuals will be busy serving in countless capacities that I don't think we have a grasp of this side of heaven. It will bring joy and be such a great delight to serve him perfectly. No struggles with weaknesses physically, no struggles with sin, perfect fellowship, perfect service. It'll be joy beyond anything we've ever known. We also see that God's presence covers them living under the shadow of his wings of protection. What a contrast to the horrors they endured on earth, starving, running for their lives day and night, hiding, no more struggle with hunger, thirst, oppressive heat. The lamb is also the shepherd and he guides them to springs of the water of life. Not only that, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can you imagine all the tears shed 
as they ran for their lives as another loved one, another friend was massacred and killed. But that's all over now. This promise is also at the end of Revelation 21, where we read, he wipes away every tear. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That is all in the past. But the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will be a perfect and free place that we will live and dwell forever in this world. So ladies, as I've said before, I don't know what each of you is enduring at the moment, but you can hang in there a little while longer. We are not in the great tribulation, but while we are here, our lives on this earth, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So it's expected, it's the norm, and we're to be of good cheer. It can feel overwhelming at times in this life, for sure. But the one who has called you will bring you through every struggle and every trial that he has ordained to be in your life. Suffering is never for nothing. It always has a purpose. And it's usually far grander than anything our little minds can grasp. So the question is, is he your shepherd right now? He is the good shepherd. He does care for his sheep. And he alone provides all that we need to walk through this life. But do you know him because you have placed your trust and confidence that the death of Jesus Christ was for you personally, for your debt of sin? We are rotten sinners, and we are separated from God from our birth. Jesus died to, to make us be able to be in a right relationship with him. And when we put our trust in him, he becomes our shepherd. He will shepherd us all the way home, whether he raptures us or whether he's there on our deathbed escorting us to heaven by the angels. So there is victory, ladies. So even if you find yourself having to crawl across the finish line of this life, bruised, bleeding, there will be a welcome when you cross the finish line, when you are home. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great hope that we have and that this isn't all there is. Lord, I thank you for the future that everyone who knows you is going to experience and all these troubles and trials will be a far distant memory. So I pray you help us to live faithful to you and to be serving you diligently here that we're well prepared for service when we enter your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.